You're listening to the Exhibitionist Podcast, hosted by Nicola Reader and brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, a wholly owned subsidiary of 12th Man Solutions Limited. Hi, I'm Nicola Reader, and you're listening to episode 11 of the Exhibitionist, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're delighted to have you listening. So how's your start to 2019 been? We're hearing from clients and event organisers and visitors that it's been a really fast start to the year this year, which is brilliant for the events industry, but hopefully it's not left you feeling too frazzled. So this week, we've had some interesting debate on a blog that we recently wrote about whether sales or marketing had the overall responsibility for trade shows. And this came about because we'd sat in a couple of meetings where there were more than healthy tensions, there was some quite difficult negotiations to be had about who was actually controlling what. And this inspired me to think about who actually should be making the decisions. And my conclusion, and it's just my thoughts, were that actually it needs to be a really collaborative approach and that sales and marketing working together is definitely the best way to get the most effective outcome for your trade show. But it seems as though some people agree with me and some people don't. So if you're not sure in your organisation who should be responsible, why not hop over to www.inspiringexhibitors.com, have a read of the blog, and if you're still not sure, give us a call and we'll help you get through your trade show trouble. Speaking of trade show troubles, we've had a couple of problems that we've had to solve for people in the last week or so, so we thought we'd share them with you in case they're of any help. So uniforms was one that came up as we were presenting and working with the Council for Aluminium in Buildings last week uh, at their Members' Day ahead of the Fit Show 2019. We were running a training session with them about how to prepare and deliver brilliant exhibitions, part of a pavilion actually, but um, how they really stand out when they're on a pavilion that might be from a a trade organisation. And they asked us about uniforms and what the rules are. Now, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but I thought it was worth revisiting as we then got asked about it a couple more times this week. So our general rules we would recommend would be dressing as your industry dresses. So if you're in an an industry where it's quite corporate and your visitors are going to be in suits, then we'd always recommend that you wear suits. If you're in perhaps a creative industry where it's much more casual and your visitors are going to be casual, then dress to reflect them. Being a bit more specific, we were asked about shirts versus polo shirts. Well, polo shirts are great if you're going to spend a decent amount of money on them and get some quality ones. There's nothing worse than seeing shapeless, baggy polo shirts that always look a little bit grubby. So if you're going to go for polo shirts and go casual, we'd maybe suggest spending a decent amount of money and getting some quality ones. Actual shirts are always going to look that little bit smarter, but be careful about using black because it can look like a line of bouncers at a nightclub and be equally careful about choosing white as it can sometimes be a bit embarrassing for female staff if they've got black underwear and that comes through. Um, It's something that we've seen many a time at a trade show. So think about the colours and how you can reflect your brand in the colours also. And also think about the sizes. It can be quite sensitive at times but one size definitely doesn't fit all so just think about who you've got in your squad and how you can choose a uniform that's going to reflect the professionalism of your business and your brand for everybody on the stand the other thing we'd caution is logos on breast pockets um again it can be quite sensitive but it can sometimes look like nipple guards which isn't really great for anybody but think about all that space you've got on the back of a shirt or a polo shirt or even on the sleeve, 
which could be a much better place logo and actually doesn't cause some of those cringy moments where you've got visitors staring at some of your squad's chest as they're trying to work out the logo. So those would be our hints and tips on uniform. The second thing we got asked about today was an interesting position where a client of ours had been offered a really good deal to attend a trade show overseas on a pavilion, a UK pavilion with a trade organisation. The deal to exhibit on the stand on the pavilion was almost too much too good to be true, but the client isn't quite yet in a position where his product is ready. And it's that real dilemma between, I'm never going to get the chance to go to this trade show for this cost again, but I'm equally not quite in a position where I can start selling my product yet and what's the best thing to do. The answer to that question will be different for every single client and organization that we work with. And it all depends on what you want to achieve from a trade show, how close to being ready you are, and how big an opportunity you think you've got in the market or industry that you're going to exhibit at. But the things we considered and asked him to think about as he made his decision was, was there an alternative that he could go and and find just through talking to visitors? So could he attend the trade show, get some funding for that? and talk to visitors, talk to other exhibitors there, and just start sowing the seeds for his idea. And then maybe in 12 months time, he can revisit. Are the prototypes available that he could take out there? So not quite the finished sample, but certainly an idea, a model, a video, perhaps that kind of thing about how it's going to look when it's finished. So at least he can start having the discussion with interested parties about how his product solves their problem. Were there any other stakeholders that he could get involved with or partners? Was he thinking about selling through a distributor overseas and perhaps he could think about exhibiting on their stand or working with them and saying that they're working in partnership so that he's already building up his relationships with distributors and their clients? There's a whole host of things to think about and there probably isn't a right or wrong answer to this one. But if you're at that stage where you're thinking, I've got a too good to miss offer to get abroad and exhibit at this show and I'm really keen to do it, but I'm not quite ready, why not give us a call and we'll help you work through your trade show trouble and hopefully come to the right resolution for you. So that's enough of me for today. We're now going to throw over to our interview for this week, which is with the delightful Helen Chater, who works for EMAP. And Helen's going to be giving us some fantastic advice on how you use trade press and communications to really amplify your presence at a trade show. So enjoy our chat. So on this week's edition of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Helen Chater, And Helen works as a publisher for EMAP, working on titles including Duty Free News International and Frontier Magazine. So welcome to the show, Helen. Thank you very much. So Helen, before we get into looking at what role the trade press can play in an exhibitor's campaign for a trade show, do you want to just give us a bit of an intro and background to your experience and your current role? Of course, yes. I've worked in B2B publishing roles for 26 years, um, starting off as an area sales manager on Food Manufacturing Magazine and uh, working my way up to my current position of publisher um, in the travel, retail and duty-free sector. So across all titles, there's always been exhibitions as part of the sector that I've been in, uh, as well as awards and other events. Uh, And I think the exhibition side of the business face-to-face contact is is an incredibly part of incredibly important part of any portfolio brilliant thank you so starting right at the very beginning what role do you think trade press can play in an exhibitor's plans for a brilliant trade show 
Well, Tradepress is still an incredibly important route to market. Um, the free of charge editorial policy, which is ad adopted by all good publishers, allows the editorial teams to retain control of the content so that credibility and relevance are very high on the agenda. Readers know that the press is delivering non-biased news and information about their sector. And trade publications give suppliers and manufacturers a chance to connect with the trades community in a constructive way to grow their business. It's also a great place to advertise, uh, to advertise, to advertise their business. Uh, and people who need the services that a company supply may choose to read a publication about their industry to choose who to work with. And by advertising there or having editorial, companies are a step ahead. So it's a way to get connected to people within their industry, as well as those who wish to connect with you and to contract you. So by using trade press pertaining to your business, you're providing your target de demographic, the most current information surrounding opportunities that relate to their business. I think it's a really interesting sector um, to look at in terms of trade press. It's it's the, the vehicle that's really at the heart of your industry, whichever industry you're in, and are there to speak kind of for on behalf of the industry. So it's, it's really important to incorporate that into your plans. So right. how do you think exhibitors can use trade press really effectively in their pre-show marketing? Well, I think it's fair to say that everyone is time poor and making the decision to go to an exhibition is in itself a buying signal. So exhibitors need to give visitors a compelling reason to make sure that your stand is on their to-do list. Uh, and trade press can give companies the opportunity to promote what they're going to be doing at the exhibition. So it might be that they promote um, a particular exhibition rate for their product or an incentive to visit the stand. Um, it could be to collect a fun gift or have a chance to enter a competition with business cards. So all this is a way of collecting data and really assessing the interest in the market for whatever it is that they're going to be showing on their stand. You can encourage visitors to make appointments so that you can be pre-prepared um, to answer any specific questions from potential visitors. And it also makes a good use of your time during the day. You, you can really optimise the parts of the day where it's quieter. So by encouraging visitors to make appointments pre-exhibition show, you really are being very effective with your time. So picking up on that, I think you make a really great point about having something specific to talk about in trade press in terms of why visitors should come to your stand and actually getting on their must-see list. We so often see adverts in trade press or press releases that just talk about coming to our stand with no real compelling reason. So you're absolutely mm -hmm. right, having a fun gift or an appointment or some reasons um, that is going to attract a visitor and make sure that they come to your stand is, is really important. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about um, editorial policy and you've also talked about adverts. For people who are perhaps less familiar with how trade press works and publications, could you maybe explain a little bit more about that bought and earned media? And do exhibitors need to use both elements? Really, how do they get value from using both sides of, of that? Yeah, they absolutely need to try and use both elements so that there's a very holistic approach so that the readers who are looking at the magazine and know that the editorial is credible feel that reassurance. So earned media requires a news story. It needs to be a product launch or an innovation. And it's essential to send customized press releases to the trade press. An even better approach really is to pick up the phone and talk to the trade press 
journalists like to be able to write unique content rather than just repurpose a press release which has been everywhere in the market. Um, that does mean, however, the editorial isn't guaranteed when it's the earned uh, press releases. So it's not a sales pitch opportunity. So it's important to include a marketing budget in the planning as well. Um, this could be digital or print, and it doesn't need to cost thousands. If you've spent significant money on your stand, then you need to back it up with activity pre-show so that you can guarantee the message that you're putting out there, as well as having the earned free of charge editorial as well. And I think you make a, a good point at the start of your answer there in terms of um, journalists looking for a news story and looking for innovative and different and almost bespoke content. Um, and quite often we speak to clients who are disappointed because they feel like they've put a huge amount of technical detail into a press release or they've given every bit of information, but it's still not getting covered. So what do you think journalists are really looking for in their pre-show releases about activity at the show and what's really going to grab their interest from an exhibitor? Well, really, the pre-show releases should focus on the audience of the trade press that you're sending it to. You could be exhibiting at a show that has attendees that are distributors, retailers, agents, suppliers, and manufacturers, and all the different elements of that have trade press representation there. So it's really important that the press release reflects the audience for that magazine. Um, and it, it needs to be really about new products and innovation, focusing on the benefits for the visitor. It's, it's not a puff piece about how long the company has been established or a technical story. It's about so what. We love that phrase, so what. We use it so often in our training courses, with clients, with, with everything that we do. And it is that so what factor of why is this going to make a reader care? And if you can keep that point in your head as you're drafting your press release and really put yourself in the shoes of the visitor and think about what is it that's going to make them think, yeah, I must get to this stand then a journalist is probably going to, to write up that press release for you. Yeah. So moving on to actually being at the show, I know for um, a lot of exhibitors, the objective can be to get a journalist to their stand on the day to have a look um, and show them exactly what they're doing and, and pick up some coverage that way and maybe an interview with one of their senior team. Mm. How Journalists are really, really busy people. They'll want to get around as much of the show as they possibly can. But how do you get them to your stand with the aim of them covering you in their review? I think it's really important to actually invite them personally, give them a specific meeting time, but have a really concrete reason for them to go, whether it's a new senior member of the team, whether it's a, a fantastic new product, but a very concrete reason. And very importantly, make sure that you've got either USBs or printed press releases for them to take away, because once they've had that meeting on the stand, you need to make it as easy as possible for them to then write it up and actually making sure that they've got material to take away with them is a very important part of that activity. Um, I spoke to my four journalists I've got in my team now and their comment was champagne also helps. <laughs> Never let it be said that any press doesn't enjoy a drink and I think personal invites are definitely the way to go. Um, with alcohol if possible and uh, it never harms to um, follow that up with a quick tweet on the day and just remind them um, that you have organized to, to meet at that time. I think yeah. one of the clever ways that we've seen um, it be used as well is if you're giving a keynote speak at, at speech, sorry, at an exhibition and you're presenting on the live theater, then sending VIP uh, invites out to journalists always helps and maybe even with a little bit of a teaser, um, if it's a new product launch, maybe send them a bit of new packaging with some words blanked out or 
other creative ways you can come up with of just teasing them for them to think, yeah, there's something in this that I really need to uh, go and go and hear about. So personal yeah. invites definitely work for journalists. Yeah. So, Helen, you and I have been around the uh, trade show industry for a number of years and we have seen some fantastic examples of things and we've seen some not so fantastic examples. Can can you tell us any of the brilliant things that you've seen in terms of trade press activity where exhibitors have really got it right? Yeah, I, I had a really long, hard think about that. And, and there are some fantastic things that exhibitors do at the show, like, you know, photo booths on stands with very attractive ladies. Perhaps some more attractive men could work quite well at exhibitions as well. Seems to be a lack of those, quite frankly. I'm all up for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's been some nice uh, situations where um, an exhibitor has had perhaps a, a celebrity on the stand, so maybe a celebrity chef or somebody like that preparing if it's food ingredients type of show. Um, so that can create quite a stir if you have that person on there for a limited amount of time and you really promote that strongly beforehand. Um, but I think I can honestly say pre-exhibition, I can't think of anything I've seen that's been brilliant. There's There's been lots of you know, bits of press release where it's kind of been quite encouraging. It's give the, given the stand name and perhaps it's given a discounted rate. But in terms of brilliant, I haven't seen anything yet. So I'd love to see somebody come up with something brilliant. I think we've just thrown down a challenge there. So if you think your piece of pre-show marketing through Trade Press was brilliant, then Helen and I would love to see that. And we will um, definitely share it and shout about it on your behalf. So if you think you're up for the award of best trade press campaign pre-show then please do drop your material over to us we would love to see it um on the other side of that coin obviously without any naming any names what are some of the bad examples or just some of the pitfalls that people can fall into when they're using trade press i think it's really when they haven't thought about the answer to so what so there may be press releases that come through saying 100th anniversary. Well, that's great. And a well-established company adds credibility and reassurance for a buyer, but it's not going to be enough to influence a buyer to change supplier or try a product for the first time. So it's, it's rather lazy marketing. It's where there hasn't been any questioning or any thought behind what the buyer needs to hear in order to make sure that you as an exhibitor are on their list. So it, it's just kind of quite beige press releases are such a, a waste of the company's time. Yeah, I think um, we've seen a few of those coming through on shows we've been working for and it's just very standard information you could have pulled from their profile on the show's website itself or off the company's own website. And it's really looking for that something different that's going to stop people and make them think, oh, I, absolutely, I must get over to, to see these people and uh, make it really personal and, and inspiring. Um, yeah. And just on the inspiring point, you're, you're a publisher, you're working with some, some big titles um, and lots of very high profile clients. So what really excites you when a client first comes to talk to you about doing some trade press? What makes those butterflies start fluttering? I think being in the, the duty-free and travel retail sector now, uh, it is all about the luxury and the excitement and trying to make people feel that they are being offered something that's quite exclusive. So one of the suppliers that we have, um, who I won't name, but is uh, in the perfume and the uh, Formula One racing industry, um, and they have a big launch in Cannes every year. 
where they have a what they call an exclusive cocktail party um, and they have an entertainer there as well and it really does make you feel like you've been very um, special to be invited when you get there there's actually about 300 people there and you, you realize quite quickly that you're not a, a VIP but you're made to feel like one before you arrive and you're made to feel like they really care about you having a good experience so I think it's that feeling that you have been identified as being a person that they really want to engage with. I think that's a really interesting point, picking up um, when we speak to clients around filtering visitors and the statistic that we use that only 16 to 20% of all visitors to a show will be in a position to buy from you as an exhibitor. It's quite a small number. So it's trying to get to that number before the show. And as you've just said, making them feel really special and really important and like they're not just another number in crowd of 6,000 visitors they're the person that you really really want to speak to and mm-hmm. if you use your trade press effectively and really really tailor your press release you can definitely talk to that person through the trade press and make mm-hmm. sure that they know that you're you're connected with them so that that mm-hmm. being made to feel special is um, is definitely something that's important to to all of us yeah. um one question I just wanted to ask you about Helen as well is that uh when we're working with clients, they can sometimes say they're a little bit scared of trade press. So they think that they're going to trip them up or trying to get some story out of them that's controversial or find a headline. And we try and explain that this isn't the Daily Mail or the Daily Mirror or any of the consumer press. And actually mm-hmm. trade press is very different. Would you say really that it's all about collaboration and trade press wanting to work with exhibitors to really achieve the same goals? Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. We want our readers to believe that when they pick up the magazine that they're going to find information that is going to make their lives and their jobs easier. It's not about salacious gossip. It's not about getting them to think, oh, I wonder what's happening there. It's about, at the end of the day, them saying that was really helpful. Yeah, I think it's such a crucial point. People are so scared of um, you know, and they say, oh, we'll talk off the record and off, off the record doesn't really exist. So, you know, if you don't want to see it in print, don't say it. But actually the trade press are going to be on your side throughout. They, they want you to be successful because if you're a business that's um, growing your sales and making more money, potentially you have more budget to invest in trade press. So it works for everybody. Yeah, Organizations are successful. So, yeah. So we've covered quite a, a wide variety of topics there and it's brilliant to get your advice and your perspective on things. But if you could give our listeners and exhibitors just one good piece of advice about what they could do with Trade Press in the run-in to an exhibition, what would that be? Well, Nicola, I'm a great believer in KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. And basically, you need to tell people why you're there in advance so they're compelled to come and find you. And it really is as simple as that. Once they've found you and they're there, you've got a captive audience. Brilliant. It, it really is that simple. I know there's a lot of things that, that get in the way around trade shows to distract you from that, but it really is about have a great reason for being there and then tell the people that you want to come and see you. So um, I would echo that sentiment entirely. One of the biggest challenges we come, come across is just people saying, why is nobody picking up my press release? It's amazing. And it's like, it, it really isn't. You know, you've got to put yourself in the journalist's shoes and think about what they've got to get out to their reader. The pictures that come through with the press release need to be good quality as well. Yeah. There are never any images about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean high res pictures, you know, you you can try and take stuff off, you know, shutter stock and places like that. But if you're sending through a press release about a product, for goodness sake, send a picture with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um 
So thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really interesting conversation, including the uh, fire alarm that almost deafened us at our end, although hopefully <laughs> listeners, we've managed to edit that out. But uh, if we've sounded a little bit strange in the second half, it's because we're still slightly deaf from that. Um, <laughs> apologies. Um, so Helen, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, how can they find you? They can find me either on email or on my mobile phone, all of which are detailed on the dfnionline.com website. So that's the DFNI for Duty Free News International website. But if you're struggling to find Helen, then please come to us and we can pass on contact details. So thank you once again, Helen. It's been a great conversation. And uh, I believe you are now off on your way to China, Iceland and Orlando. Yes, I am. All in the next three to four weeks. All good fun. Brilliant. So have a fantastic time over there and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much, Nicola. It was a pleasure. So some fantastic advice there from Helen. And hopefully you're now geared up to get out there and use your industry trade press to make sure that you really shout about your presence at your next trade show to your industry and visitors. That's about it for us from this week. So I'm going to wrap up here, but do look out for our next podcast coming in two weeks time, which will be with an exhibitor. So it's going to be with Mark Enderby of Maco UK, who is getting ready to attend Fit Show 2019 in May. And Mark's going to be telling us with three months to go, two months to go now, actually, all the things that he's done so far, the things that he wishes he'd done, and he's now struggling to get done in time and what he's looking forward to most about the upcoming Fit Show. So don't miss that episode coming in two weeks. As you know, The Exhibitionist, the book, is now available for pre-order on our website. Uh, And if you want to buy that online, we can start dispatching that to land with you for the 16th of May. However, if you see us out and about or at a training workshop or event, you can buy a copy direct from us. We have already taken some orders from overseas, so don't worry if you're not based in the UK. We can get that book to you. Just drop us an email and we'll let you know the postage and packing. And obviously the www.inspiringexhibitors.com website is packed with blogs and information, help and advice for everything that you need as an exhibitor to make sure your trade show runs as effectively as possible. So have a great couple of weeks. If you've got a trade show trouble, please do get in touch. And thanks once again for listening. Have a great week. Hop over now to inspiringexhibitors.com to subscribe to our newsletters, blogs and future podcasts, keeping you up to date with industry insight. While there, you can also find out more about our new book, The Exhibitionist, Inspiring Trade Show Excellence. Once again, thank you for listening.